That Europe finds itself at the front of the storm is not something new. The world of tomorrow will be a different place. It's good that Europe is ambitious in climate policy. We should be ambitious but also realistic. Our task is to learn to live within the boundaries Mother Earth has given us. Only united we can defend our values, we can protect the interests of our citizens. Welcome to a new chapter of Citizen Central, the podcast series all about the European Citizens Initiative. If you do not know this tool of direct democracy, let me run you through it in a nutshell. This is the tool allowing European Union citizens to come up with new ideas for EU laws that can spark a debate across the Union. 2022 is a year that indeed will be remembered for many reasons, but also the year that put the spotlight on our younger generation with the European Year of Youth. And that is why, as the ECI is also celebrating 10 years of existence this year, today's episode of Citizen Central has a special focus on young people and how they make use of the European Citizens Initiative. We will engage with quite a few young Europeans and ask them about democracy taking part and their engagement in policymaking and the European institutions. But we will also reach out to experts in social studies and other organisms of democratic participation to get their take on how youth sees policy, lawmaking and in general being part of democracy. I am Manix Ricarte Cowie and you are listening to Citizen Central. To kick off the chapter, let me introduce you to our group of young collaborators, thanking them all for giving us their take on European democracy. My name is Inej. I'm Portuguese. I am currently a student. So, my name is Antero. I'm 22 years old. I study political science in the University of Tartu. So, my name is Josephine. I'm French, but I study in Spain. My name is Negev. I'm 23 years old. I'm currently a student. I study law and politics at the European University of Viadrina and Frankfurt Order in Germany. So my name is Emma. I'm 23 years old and I'm from Stockholm. And I have a bachelor's degree in political science and economics. My name is Daud. I'm from Croatia. I am 22 years old. I study English in Croatian here in Osijek. My name is Elisa Martinez. I'm 20 years old. I am from Spain and I'm currently studying a Bachelor in Communication and Digital Media at University. So my name is Elsa. I'm 23 years old. At the moment, I'm finishing my Master's in Law uh, at Maastricht University. So I'm uh, Stephanie Jova. I'm 26 years old. I am based and from Bucharest, Romania. We'll engage with our young collaborators throughout the chapter, but to greet our first expert guest, we head over now to Cologne, Germany. Daniela Vancic from Democracy International. Thanks so much for joining us on Citizen Central. Thanks, Manex, for the invitation. Please tell us who you are, what you do, and where you come from. Yeah, I'm the European Program Manager um, at an NGO called Democracy International, and we're based here in Cologne in Germany. 
even though I myself am uh, an American with a Serbian background. But yeah, here at, at Democracy International, we're really about direct democracy. Um, so a democracy that goes beyond elections, that means more uh, direct citizens participation. And um, that's exactly where the ECI comes in. 20 years ago, when the ECI was just an, an idea at the last European convention, it was really the founding members of Democracy International that were lobbying for the inclusion of, of such an instrument like the ECI, inspired quite a bit by the, the Swiss models of direct democracy. So you could really say the ECI um, is, is like really in the DNA of Democracy International. Daniela, for this special youth chapter, we have engaged with a group of under 26-year-olds from different member states. And our very first question has been if they vote, at what level, and how important it is for them. Yes, I do, uh, but only for my country, so France. I need to vote, so my interests are represented overall. I think the last time I voted was 2021. But I don't vote at a European level. I think voting is really important, and if you just randomly vote, then there's not really a point to it. I had the privilege to vote one time at each level. Of course I vote whenever I can. I think it's a duty as a citizen as well. Part of the privilege of living in a democracy, so I think everyone should take that seriously. I vote on all levels. I really think it's something very important for, especially for the younger people. I have only got the chance to vote once in my life. That's all my experience so far with voting to have a say in, in what, what what is going to happen in the next term. Yes, I vote every single time. I do indeed. I think it's a very important citizen act. It's extremely important, even if people are going to vote in blank. I vote. I vote on all levels. Voting is crucial in our democracy. Looking forward to many times more. That's really great, so I'm really glad I heard that. Yeah, it kind of contradicts what everyone thinks, that young people don't vote. But why do you think online initiative platforms have huge youth participation, but voting polls often show otherwise? Here in Europe, even though at the European level it could be better, if we look also at how many people know about the ECI, unfortunately it's still a little too little. But voter turnouts are still, are going up for European elections. Right, Last time we had a record of voter turnout, especially young people that turned out. That's a really good and positive trend. There's a lot of people kind of fed up with the traditional things that come also with democracy. If we don't modernize our democracy, we see that there's a lot of frustrations and people feel that they're left out of the process. We need also all these different varieties of ways to get involved in democracy. Like elections are one thing and they're, of course, like the most consequential ones too, right? They're the ones that are have a direct effect then on how society is going to be shaped and how governments will be then making decisions. But in between those election cycles, I think we really need also the different varieties and ways then to also get involved in democracy. Because sometimes maybe for some people, they want to get involved in different ways. It's also maybe elections are not just cutting it for them. We, I mean, we need to stress the importance of that too. But if we say it's just come on out every four years and then you they don't hear from you, then yeah, you kind of lose people in the process, right? It needs activism in their mind. You need to give them more opportunities to be able to get involved. This demography is super technological. Everything happens so fast. So do you think that the regular four or five year cycle of politics or the two year cycle of an ECI is very long for young participants? We're really living in this like on demand kind of world, but our democracy unfortunately hasn't always caught up to this. And young people get that because they're at the forefront of this on demand kind of lifestyle. 
I mean, there's a reason why like membership in traditional political parties are going down because young people are just not interested in joining parties anymore as their main way of activism in between elections. And I think that's exactly why there's just so much potential for youth in the ECI because it just totally fits in this on-demand kind of life we live. You find a topic you're interested in, go in and sign it. Find the next topic you're interested in, go in and sign it. There's a topic you're interested in and it's not there, go in and register it. <laughs> so it's it fits in perfectly, I think, with this um, yeah developing society that we're living in. Some of them did know about the ECI, others did not, but we explained to them how it works and then asked them what they would like to see becoming an ECI. Greening the cities, demolishing streets, evolving cities into car-free areas. I love pets and I don't understand how you can think that a pet is an object and you just leave them on the side of the road or you abandon them in the forest, I don't know. You should have the possibility to have free tap water wherever you go, like restaurants and so on. Maybe something related to how these new technologies should reach everyone and that everyone should be able to use them in a correct way. Make education more accessible, inclusive, and include all histories, not just the main history. Now that I know, I would be thinking, oh, maybe this could work. Yeah, now I will think of it much more. Yeah, really great ideas. Look at all these great creative ideas. The the tap water one, that's interesting because that's the first ever successful ECI, right? The the right to water, which the EU then introduced a new EU water directive. Inclusive technology, of course, I, I was a little bit anticipating that there would be something about some digital dimension, more inclusive technology. I think that's also really great. Totally fits also with this youth perspective of just how our societies are developing and becoming a lot more digital. Technology is definitely something that defines this generation, but technology also means pace. If we were to rewind four years today, or even two years today, I mean, the world was just a different place. A four or five year cycle, or maybe even a two year cycle isn't exactly on demand, but um, it's really about having the variety in between those cycles, as I mentioned. I think that's the secret. Introduce more in various ways of allowing people to get involved in between that cycle and introducing the ECI is already a great start because it allows people to have the opportunity to set the agenda instead of waiting for an election to choose a person who maybe will vote in favor of a certain animal rights initiative or so on but it gives the people a little bit more power then um, to decide on issues directly and to put those issues forward instead of maybe connecting with a person and waiting for them to bring that issue forward. We asked our group what they would think about lowering voting age or ECI participation age. In Estonia, the voting age comes from the local municipality elections that comes from the age of 16. So I have voted since the age of 16. When you have the option from an early age, then even if you don't do it at 16, then maybe by 18, you finally understand the benefit. When you're under 18, you're not mature enough on the subject. Me, myself, I'm supporting the idea of voting at the age of 16. Younger people are mostly always like put aside, kind of not competent to, to comprehend politics. I think it would be completely counterproductive uh, to give a right to vote to people who are not really aware of what's going on. Complicated, very complicated, because some of them already work. They pay taxes. It's their right to vote as well. With citizen initiatives could be a really good thing to do to lower the age and make it possible for young Europeans to, to vote as well. I think people are interested in politics uh, younger and younger, so I feel we should give them a voice to express themselves because I feel 16 is around the age where you start reading about politics and just more globally the world that surrounds you. Politics 
and I think law should be a part of what you learn in high school. Very interesting answers, very diverse like this generation, but do you think that lowering the age of participating in an ECI would help with the actual participation? Yeah, I definitely think lowering the, the age to sign an ECI and involving the youth aspect more uh, in the ECI would encourage participation in the ECI and would really foster this kind of youth development. First of all, young people are so much more aware than ever before. I mean, we are really living the age of information. Even politicians are sometimes not as, as aware as constituents on certain topics because it's the people who take up these activism roles um, and, and interest in certain issues and Really, I mean, today anyone can become an expert on something now. And, and young people have really demonstrated this in climate, of course, biodiversity, um, social justice, too. I think these are some of the top topics that youth has really shown their interest in. Uh, but if you can connect issues to democracy, I think it's easier for young people to get involved because it's a bit harder um, to connect to a candidate or a politician because there's also that level of trust you then need to build, but people can get behind issues because that's what they've trusted, that's what they've been interested in maybe for years and years. And that's what the ECI and uh, other initiative instruments do. They really put the issues then back at the core of democracy rather than a political personality. Talking about the issues, we had to reference activism. So we asked them if they consider themselves activists and whether that activism occurs online, offline. Here's their take. I prefer doing it Physically, uh, I do do some stuff online time to time, but most of the time I try to volunteer for like physical stuff and not just stay in my echo chamber online in a world where things seem perfect and as if everyone is an activist, but you know, you need to also go out there and, you know, go to the NGO you're trying to support or like, you know, the cause you like and be like, hey, I have these resources. This is what I can do for you. Can I do something and, you know, help you guys out? I have on change.org. Uh, every time I see something related to climate change mainly or social activism, I like to engage with it. In Eastern European countries, in the Balkans, where we're still talking about minimum wage being like 300 euros a month. When people have to live in these conditions and struggle and live paycheck to paycheck, I think it's really hard for people to care about other stuff as well. Sometimes being an activist and having the time to dedicate yourself to certain things, I think it's a luxury. Yeah, that's interesting. I like also the, the girl who challenged a little bit the youth stereotype that we're not just in the online sphere, that she also really tries to get out of the online sphere and out of her eco chamber and to really go and also be physically present. Really glad I heard that from her. And the one also about the change, change.org. I mean, this is also like uh, it's a petition platform, right? And these are also really popular in the last years because people are also inside, they're reading the news a lot more, and then there's it's easier for petitions to go viral that they're they're sharing this and here sign this petition, things are going being shared on social media. That's exactly what we want to do with the ECI, right? That these initiatives also go viral and that people sign there uh, as well. And if you allow 16, 17 year olds to do that, then you of course have millions more people that could potentially sign. Change.org, for example, doesn't ask for a minimum uh, age requirement. And I can guarantee you that there's probably lots of 16, 17 year olds that are signing those kind of yeah green initiatives, climate initiatives, the one that uh, the girl mentioned. Yeah, then the this Eastern perspective, maybe they want to be active citizens, but at the same time, it's like, the living standard might not be totally up to par to what they need. So that's why it's just just as important that we also always think about 
making sure that societies have a decent standard of living because only then you can also uh, expect of people to be active citizens. They can be citizens, right? But if you're expecting a level of activism from them, they're going to need to have a decent standard of living uh, as well. Somehow, I mean, the, the things we talk about are a little bit privileged, right? Um, if we also focus on bringing people to a decent standard of living, then we can also make our democracies a lot more inclusive because they can start to take part in these discussions that we're having too about climate, about car-free zones and things that in the minds of maybe struggling families, it's not really the first thing on their um, their priority list. So what do you think we can do to make the ECI a smash youth hit? Yeah, that would be the dream, right? That this is in our, like the daily kitchen table talk that people are saying. Yeah, I would say first and foremost, because it's also a youth focused uh, um, podcast episode, lower the age, uh, definitely encourage and pressure member states to lower the age, work with um, famous people that young people would know, like influencers, TikTokers and, and, and so on. We can put all of the, the finances and support into communication campaigns that, that we, we want, and that's good. We should do that. But on the other end, we also need follow-up um, for the ECI. So that, that's also important. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us on Citizen Central. Thank you very much, Manix. I appreciate it. For this special chapter, we also wanted to gather some data-based information on this demography. That is why we now head over to sunny Madrid to meet a social analyst that has done lots of research on this demography. Paco Camas, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, well, my name is Paco, Paco Camas. I'm from Spain and uh, I recently joined the Public Affairs team at Ipsos as a research director of Public Opinion. Ipsos is the third largest company in the world in market research and also in public opinion research. And well, mainly what I try to do is understand what's happening in the public sphere, trying to share that, that knowledge with our clients and society. Paco has an overall kickoff. How European did young Europeans feel in this European year of youth? Well, that's a very convenient question. I would say that the, there is a growing concern about the future generations' engagement with the EU. But the important thing right now is that the pandemic and the war seem to have uh, overturned the tendency. The support of being a member of the EU, 65% of Europeans think today that there is countries' membership of the EU is a good and that's the higher figure in more than 15 years. That's quite a lot. And they feel very, or at least fairly, attached to the European Union. Only a minority, just 7%, does not feel European at all. From your work, how important is politics for this demography? What we know is that the great majority of young people do discuss politics together with friends or relatives. And according to our surveys, 25% say that they do it frequently. But it's also true that a majority say they don't understand much of or anything about the EU. Paco, what can we do at the ECI to make our tool a smash youth hit? Actually, I don't know. I mean, you want people to try the initiative because you know, and once they try, they like it. You have to be where young people are. And they are on Instagram using mainly visual language rather than direct contact. Well, I would recommend using connectors. I don't know, influencers maybe, but could do the work. But uh, be close to them. 
that's the key thing to promote engagement. Thank you so much for popping in to Citizen Central. Thanks for the invitation, Max. Many ECIs have a considerable support from the youth. Many are future-looking and beyond, and youngsters often are more knowledgeable and engaged in European politics. Among those who know the ECI, the million signatures is the key milestone. But sometimes, even when the million is still far away, success can shape up through having raised a topic and shown European policymakers a certain topic is of importance to the citizens. That is the case of the Ferrocent European Citizen Initiative that in 2019 was asking the Commission to end the aviation tax exemption in the EU, an ECI that only raised 76,000 signatures, but was equally successful as the idea was picked up in the Fit for 55 package and has become a clear objective of the Green Deal. Tassos Papacristo and Timothy Gelver, welcome to Citizen Central. Thank you for having us, Manex. Glad to be here. First of all, please tell us more about yourselves. Hello, everyone. My name is Timo. I come from northern France and I work in the European Parliament. Hey, everyone. My name is Tassos. I come from Greece and uh, I'm also working as a trainee at the European Parliament. Please tell us about Ferrocent. What exactly were you asking for? So we were asking the European Union to introduce a tax on aviation fuel because for now there is no tax on aviation fuel, meaning that airlines do not pay taxes for the fuel they use for their planes. Okay. And when you started, did a million signatures seem like something easy? <laughs> In my mind, yes, because I thought it was such a good idea. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, at first it did sound like a good idea. And because it's only like a good idea, we thought, or at least I thought, it's going to be super easy to get the 1 million signatures. It's going to take us maximum a couple of weeks. And here we go. And this is why we started. But I think retroactively, without being so naive in our chances, we would have never started it. Because if you start with the mindset of you're going to lose, then you're often not doing it. Please tell us the story. Your campaign ended, but then suddenly you were in the headlines. We stopped the campaign when uh, in December 2019, the the von der Leyen Commission was formally introduced and part of the introductory speech of the president was the introduction of a tax on aviation fuel. So we had only collected 76,000 signatures over six months and we said, all right, this is over. <laughs> we, we didn't win per se, but the fact that NECI invites the commission to launch a legislative proposal, if the commission president announces herself, then I guess it's a win for us and that's how the, the, the campaign ended. But I think like we wanted to continue this effort, focus more broadly on the transport sector and how to decarbonize the transport sector as a whole. And then we launched this very small youth-led NGO and we advocated for, for sustainable policies for the whole uh, transport sector. I actually watched and read several of your interviews to prepare this interview today. So could you please explain to our listeners what citizen lobbying means? Citizen lobbying is maybe a, a step uh, further from uh, being an activist because other than campaigning, you also try to influence the institutional players. It's a very important part of the process and you can't have one without the other. Obviously, civil society lobbying is extremely important, but I believe it's also important for citizens to, to take a bit of their own time and, and help these civil society organizations. Yeah, I really think lobbying is not a bad word per se and everyone can use it. And if you have enough time, everyone should use it. It's not enough to watch the news. You also need to try to influence things that you really have at heart. Tassos, Timo, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It is such an inspiring story. Thank you for having us, Manex. Glad to be here. 
Well, that brings this edition of Citizen Central to an end. Thank you so much to all our guests and, of course, to you for listening. And if you fancy finding out a little bit more about any of these ECIs, please do check our show notes. And you can also take a look at the ECI website or follow the ECI's individual social media channels. And of course, if you want to propose a brand new ECI, you can head over to the ECI forum to learn more about how to get started. I'm Manix Ricardo Kawi, and you've been listening to Citizen Central.